0: Hi, and welcome to Follow's weekly message podcast. Thanks for joining us. We hope this message inspires you and helps you follow Jesus in your community for His glory. Here's the message. This morning's Bible reading comes from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 to 16. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ appointed it. This is why it says, when He ascended on high, He took many captives and gave gifts to His people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of the people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love, as each part does its work.
1: It's about time you started acting your age. I wish you would just grow up. When are you going to start taking responsibility? I'm sure most of us heard those words sometime when we were growing up. On the positive side, you may have heard other things like, wow, you've really matured, or you've got a good head on your shoulders, or you've got wisdom beyond your years. Well, I think the truth is that we all fluctuate between maturity and immaturity. One moment we can be giving a talk at a conference, we can be leading in our workplace, we can be raising a family and making all sorts of big life decisions. But in the very next moment we can be angry or sulking or laughing uncontrollably at a cat video on YouTube. The truth is we flow between maturity and immaturity in our lives. But by and large, maturity is a really good thing. It means that you are growing and developing to be a more holistic kind of a person. When it comes to our faith, God's desire is for us to continually mature as Christians. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 3 uses the example of milk and meat. He makes a point that we all start our lives on a diet of milk. If you're a mother watching this, you will know that breastfeeding is a big part of your role with the newborn child. And if you can't do that, if it's not possible for one reason or another, your child will simply go on formula where they can get all the nutrients they need in a way that they can consume them. But we've probably all seen or heard those stories of mothers that are still breastfeeding their kids at the age of seven. And I don't know about you, but that seems a little bit strange. It seems like they kind of should have moved on and progressed from that. And this is exactly the point that Paul's making in 1 Corinthians, As new Christians in Corinth, these infants in the faith, he says, I gave you milk because you weren't ready for solid food. But by now you should have progressed. You should have moved on from milk to solid food, but you haven't matured. You are still worldly. Essentially, he's saying, church, it's time to grow up. And perhaps God's saying the same thing to us today through our passage in Ephesians. Today we're up to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 to 16, as we continue our series, The Blessing in the Blooming. And I think it's a critical passage if we are to bloom as individuals, but even more importantly, if we're going to bloom as the church, the body of Christ. I believe this is one of the most important, but at the same time, most misunderstood and underapplied passages in all of scripture when it comes to maturity. And so my prayer is that today, God would activate something in our hearts that would change who we are, that would keep us hopeful for greater things to come as the people of God. Last week, Craig preached a great message from the first six verses of this chapter, and he spoke on the topic of unity. We are called to unite around Christ and to strive to keep the unity of the faith through complete humility and gentleness. But as we move on in this chapter, we see that this unity is possible even in the midst of great diversity. You see, unity is not uniformity. It doesn't mean that we're all exactly the same like little cookie-cutter Christians. Unity actually thrives within diversity. We are all created differently and uniquely. We were formed in our mother's womb and the DNA we have has been given to us by God. And so when it comes to the attributes of our personality and the gifts we've been given in our lives, they have all come from God. And this is how the passage starts in verse 7. It says, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ has apportioned it. I want you to consider who was receiving this letter originally. Ephesians is known as a circular letter. In other words, it was sent to a church to then be distributed to all the churches around. Some have referred to Ephesians as the Ecclesiological Manifesto. Ecclesiology is the study of the church, and a manifesto is a public declaration of structure and purpose. And so within this letter, we get the most dedicated description in all of the Bible on the church and all it's meant to be. This was not a letter written for a church as much as it was a letter written for the church. And so in this stunning description of what church should be, Paul outlines for us what Christ has provided to help the church mature. Let's pick it up in verse 10. It says, He who descended, Jesus, Of the fullness of Christ. And so, what's at stake in the application of these verses? Well, it's a really important thing there's unity, there's maturity, there's equipping the saints for ministry, for service, and there's attaining the fullness or the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And so, it would be fair to say it's huge. It's so important for us to understand this passage and to apply it in our lives and in the church. And so, what has Christ given us to help us attain all of this? Well, verse 11 tells us he's given us the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors or the shepherds, and the teachers. You may have heard these gifts referred to as fivefold ministry, or in more recent times, it's been abbreviated as apest apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher. And so if we're going to have maturity, if we're going to be united, if we're going to be equipped and experience the fullness of Christ, then we need each of these apex gifts functioning in the church. And so I, I wonder if you can see how huge this is for the church. I mean, it's absolutely critical that we understand, that we apply, and that we live out the gifts that God has given each of us. And so I want to start today by defining each of these gifts that Christ has apportioned. First of all, the A is for Apostles. It comes from the Greek word apostolos, and it simply means the sent one. It's the person who's a pioneer. It's one who steps out into new territory and extends the mission of God in the world. Secondly, we have P for prophet. The prophet has a vertical and a horizontal function. The person who has a prophetic gifting is the person that calls us to repentance to reject idolatry, to come back to God's heart, to prayer, to fasting, to holiness. And so there's this vertical function of people with a prophetic gift. There's a God orientation. But at the same time, a healthy prophet also has a horizontal function. And that horizontal function calls us to fight injustice, to care for the poor, the marginalized, the oppressed. That The prophet Micah says that God wants us to act justly, to love mercy, And to walk humbly with our God. And so when the prophetic function is healthy, they have both the vertical and horizontal function happening. And so prophets are those who have been gifted to call us to a relationship with God and to a love for others. The E is for evangelists. Now I wonder who you think of when you think of the word evangelist. I think most of us think of Billy Graham. He's a stereotypical evangelist, a person gifted to communicate the good news of the gospel with a real heart to see people saved. They are often, but not always, gifted communicators, but they are always people with a real optimism and passion to share about Jesus every opportunity they get. Then we have the shepherds or the pastors. They are the people that create and then protect community. They have a gift for caring, for healing, for loving, and for leading the people of God. Finally, we have the teachers. They are the person that communicates God's truth to help his people grow and go deeper and to mature in faith. They often have an ability to take kind of complex theological ideas and then unpack them in a way that people can understand and apply that truth. Now, what I think we need to understand if we're to apply all this and to lean into the giftings, we need to understand that when Jesus was here on earth in his earthly ministry, he actually embodied all these five attributes and gifts perfectly. Let's have a think about it for a minute. Was Jesus an apostle? Well, absolutely. He was the ultimate sent one. He left the glory of heaven and he came down to earth to live amongst us. He was incarnated as one of us. In John chapter 5, verse 24, Jesus says, "'Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word "'and believes him who sent me has eternal life "'and will not be judged but is crossed over "'from death to life.'" And so Jesus was the ultimate prophet, the sent one. Was Jesus a, sorry, apostle? Was Jesus a prophet? Well, yes, of course he was. He calls us to repent and to come back to God the Father. He pointed to realities in the future. We know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, who modeled for us a life of care and concern for the poor, the broken, and the lost. But there's also, so there's this vertical connection where he connects us back to God, but there's this horizontal dimension in his ministry as he models love for one another. We know that he said the greatest commandment is to love your glory your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, but at the same time, to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus was the ultimate prophet. But he was also the evangelist. I mean, he is the good news. He came and he preached, and his mission was to seek and to save the lost. He was an evangelist. Was he a shepherd? Well, we know from Psalm 23 and from John 10, Jesus is the good shepherd. He knows his sheep and his sheep recognize his voice. He tends and cares for the flock. And of course, Jesus was a teacher. I mean, that's a no-brainer. People flocked to hear his teaching. They were amazed that he taught with such authority. And his teaching in the Sermon on the Mount has transformed our world and is still seen as the greatest moral teaching ever, which is why so many countries and cultures are based on it. And so here's what we need to understand. Here on earth, Jesus embodied apest perfectly. And then he died and he rose again. And then an important part of that cycle is that he then ascended to heaven. And this is what this passage teaches us. We know from Ephesians chapter 1 that he ascended to the right hand of the Father. That is the place of power and authority. And this passage tells us from that place, he then gives gifts to his people. They are apostle, prophet, shepherd, evangelist, and teacher. And so who are the people of God? Well, we are the body of Christ, and Jesus is the head of that body. And so within the body, he has given us everything we need to continue his mission in the world and to grow in unity and maturity so that we attain the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I don't know about you, but that to me sounds incredibly exciting. You see, the gift that Jesus has given us is essentially the gift of himself. In verse 10 in the NLT it says this, it says the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. And so in the church, his body, are all these five gifts that need to be activated if we are to be mature. But you know the sad thing is when you look at the church worldwide, in a lot of instances we see a church that lacks unity and maturity, and I believe one of the main reasons is that we've misunderstood and misapplied this passage. In fact, some people, particularly in the Reformed tradition, have believed and taught that the apostolic and the prophetic giftings are consigned to history and are no longer current gifts for God's church, and I'd have to say I completely disagree with that. In the Christendom and the Reformed tradition, we've elevated the shepherds and the teachers And those functions, and we've disregarded at best and dismissed at worst the role of the apostles and the prophets, and to a lesser extent, the evangelists. And so Bible colleges and training facilities have focused on these two gifts as the ultimate expression of ministry, and for decades now, we've churned out shepherds and teachers and much less of the other three gifts. In fact, the majority of churches, I believe, in the last 50 to 100 years have been doctrine heavy and mission light. So the sad thing today is that if I was to ask you to grab out your phone and to download an app on your phone today, 99% of you could do that immediately. But when it comes to activating the apps in the church, the apostles and the prophets, we often have no idea where to start. You see, we're trying to live out the mission of Jesus in all of its fullness with only two or at best three of the five gifts that we've been given. Now, I'm no mechanic. If you've got a car problem, you don't want me working on your car because it will end up worse than it was before I started. But I know enough to know that if you've got a V8 engine and that car is running on on three of the eight cylinders, it's going to be chugging and spluttering if it's working at all. And it's probably um, not going to be performing the way you want a V8 car to perform. And so it's going to need a tune-up before it really reaches its capacity and it functions according to its purpose. And I think it's no different for the church. If the fivefold ministry we have been gifted is only functioning with two or three of those gifts, what it leads to is a, a spluttering church, an immature and dysfunctional church that falls way short of the fullness of Christ. But even worse than that. We often end up as a divided church because we don't appreciate people with different giftings to us. And so we separate and we tend to surround ourselves with people just like us. And so the prophetic people will often get frustrated with the teachers because they just want to teach. But what about prayer and what about justice? And the teachers will often get frustrated with the evangelists because they don't go deep enough. It's always the gospel over and over and over again. And the shepherds will get frustrated with the apostles because they're always on about mission and new things. But what about caring for the sheep? And the evangelists will get frustrated with the shepherds because they're busy caring for the Christians. But what about the lost? Now, to be completely honest as a person that primarily has apostolic and teaching gifts, I've often struggled most with the prophetic types, the people that have that prophetic gift. And you might be one of those people that follow. And over time, you've you've come to me and you've said things like, you know what, we need to pray more. And In the past, I've been very dismissive, a little bit defensive. And I think, you know what, we are praying. We're praying before the service and during the service and in the service. And we're doing it in small groups. And we're praying in our personal lives, and we've got corporate prayer once a month. There's all sorts of prayer in our church, and so I've been resistant to those voices. But in recent times, I've come to see those gifted people as a great gift to the church and to me personally. We need those people who have a heart of a prophet, calling us back to prayer and fasting, to repentance, to align us again with God's heart. And when they are speaking, I want to listen, really listen, rather than resist. And so if I've resisted you and you're one of those prophetic types, I don't want to say sorry this morning. I want to hear your voice. I need to hear your voice. I want to know what God's saying through you when you're talking about prayer. I want to listen when you're talking about repentance. I want to take notice when you're talking about George Floyd and when you're talking about you know, what's going on in our world and the injustice. I don't want to immediately do what a teacher does and just quote some verses of scripture at you. I want to listen. I want to really listen. I want to kind of enter into the pain of people. I want to hear their stories. I want to stand with the poor and the hurting and the marginalized and the oppressed. Why? Because that's where Jesus stood. And I hope as I listen to those voices, I will become more compassionate, more understanding, and more accurately reflect the person of Jesus in our world. I need those prophetic voices to keep reorientating me to God and to keep me accountable to justice, both vertical and horizontal. But I know today, those that are watching this, you're likely to be different to me. Maybe it's not the prophetic types that you found irritating. Maybe it's the apostolic teacher type like me. And when I think of me, I think, well, what's not to love? But I'm sure lots of you could give me an answer to that question. You see, here's the issue. In our irritation, we seem to avoid those who are different to us and then we gravitate to people just like us. And so teachers surround themselves with teachers and they get in a little echo chamber where everyone believes what they believe and then the people with a prophetic gift just hang around with people who, you know, love social justice and the evangelists, well, they just listen to the evangelists. And instead of one church, you might remember what Paul spoke about at the start of this chapter, Remember, one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. Instead of being one, we divide into five separate camps where we criticize and we grumble against people who are different to us. My question is, when are we going to grow up? When are we going to grow up and realize that we actually need one another, And so instead of pushing people apart, we need to start to recognize, appreciate, and embrace the gifts of people, particularly those who are different to us, so that together we can experience the fullness of Christ in his body for the sake of the gospel. You know, to each one of us, grace has been apportioned as Christ has given it. You know, I think we could easily be discouraged as we read a passage like this, as we think of the dysfunction that often exists The lack of maturity and unity we so often experience. But instead of being discouraged, I think we should be incredibly hopeful. You know, what could happen if these gifts were activated in the church? What what would happen if we started to experience the fullness of Christ? I believe we could see an incredible move of God as each person discovers the unique gifting God has given them and placed in their life. And then start to understand how that gift can contribute to the wider body and help us to attain the fullness of Christ. If you want to discover how God has gifted you, you can go to a website that's been put together by Alan Hirsch. It's called 5Q Central. And on that website, you can click on the test tab and you can do an assessment to help you discover the way that God has gifted you. And so I'd encourage each one of us to do that. But I want to finish this message today just by applying and and giving us three reasons why I think apest is so important for us to live out. The first one is this, that as we live this out, I think it will help us to learn to love one another more. Now, Jesus said a new command I give you. Love one another because by this, the world will know that you are my disciples. Now, if you've got a misfunctioning body, if one part suffers, we know from scripture that all of the parts suffer. You know, a lot of churches are like that guy who goes to the gym and he does the bicep curls. You know, he stands in front of the mirror and he's doing the big weights and he watches over the weeks and months as the biceps become really, really big. But he all, all, only ever works on the biceps. And so he can't wait for summer because he wants to get the singlet on and get the guns out. In fact, he wears a singlet all year round. But at the same time, he always wears tracksuit pants because he's got chicken legs. You know, the arms are really strong, but the rest of the body is weak. You know, a lot of churches are like that. We are predominantly teacher-shepherd churches, but we're often weak in the other areas. Because like I said before, we tend to gravitate to people just like us. And so you'll see a great teacher leading a church, and they'll often end up with an audience of people who love deep teaching but at the same time there may be very little mission as we start to realize the unique contribution that we each make and we start to surround ourselves not just with people like us but with people who are different to us as we really start to listen and learn from one another, I think we could come to a whole new appreciation of one another. And so instead of the hand kind of punching the foot and the foot kind of kicking the hand, which makes no sense at all because then we can't write and we're limping around, instead of doing that, we start to learn that each part is essential. If the is going to work, we need every part to do their part within the body. And so we need to learn how to function together so that in the church, we may attain the fullness of Christ. And so if we lean into apis and start to discover our gifts, I think we'll learn to love one another more. Secondly, I think we'll increase the impact we have on the world. Now, if we could start to activate more deliberately all these gifts that often lie dormant in our churches, I think we could see radical transformation in our world. And it's important to remember at this point that the church is not just the four walls for one hour on a Sunday. We are the church everywhere we go. I think one of the things that's very helpful in this book that Alan has written, Alan Hirsch, 5Q, is that he in this book he listed a whole bunch of areas of work that flow from the way God has gifted us. And so, for example, he talks about um, the apostle. And often that gifting is seen in things like being an entrepreneur or running a business or being an architect or working in some sort of innovation. And for the prophets, they often find themselves in the arts world, in psychology and working in not-for-profits pursuing social justice. For those who are evangelists, their gifts often play out in careers like media or communication, sales or politics. The shepherds, you'll find them so often in medicine, as doctors or nurses, in families, in community development or on the police force. You'll often see teachers in education and science and in publishing houses. Now, this is obviously not an exact science, but it gets us thinking outside the four walls of the church building. And so if you're a nurse watching this, if you start to see the way you've been gifted with that pastoral gift, it'll transform the way you see your work. You'll no longer see yourself as doing ministry on a Sunday for an hour or so, But you'll see yourself right there in the hospital as the church, gifted by God uniquely, ministering from a shepherd gifting to that person right there on their deathbed or throughout their illness. It changes the way you see work from a job you do for a paycheck to a a vocation you've been gifted for by God. If you started a business as an entrepreneur, it's not just about making money, but God has given you that apostolic pioneering gift and you could shape that business to extend the kingdom of God through integrity and generosity and being a witness to Christ. If you're a salesperson, there's every chance you're operating from an evangelistic kind of gifting that God has given you. And so as you're using that gift to sell a product, you could also be believing that God would give you opportunities to share and model Jesus right there in that place. Can you imagine if we not only identified the way that God had gifted us, but we actually lived into it in everything we do? Now I've come to reflect on my own dad, and I've come to see my dad as an evangelist. I've worked on a building site with my dad for many years, and he was always looking for opportunities to share about Jesus through relationships and through conversations around lunch breaks and uh, morning tea times. And he used to have this little booklet in his van. It was called The Letter. And it was a picture booklet with a story about a woman who had a dream that she needed to witness to her friend, but before she did it, her friend died in a car crash. This little booklet had scenes from heaven and hell, and it was a little scary. I think Dad was literally hoping to scare the hell out of people. But we know at least one person who came to faith through simply Dad just giving him that booklet to read. Whenever we have a men's event at church, a golf night or some other event, my dad always invites stacks of friends to come and hear about Jesus. And his latest missionary endeavor is happening through Words with Friends, Don't know if you've heard of that app, you can download it on your phone. It's a little bit like Scrabble, but you play against people right around the world. And most people, they just play the game and they win or lose and they kind of move on, but not my dad, Uh, he's winning converts through Words With Friends. And so, you know, there's people uh, who are watching today in the UK and the US, and they're doing it because they met my dad. They just happened to be, you know, winners in the lottery on Words with Friends, and they just happened to get my dad. And so he's talked to them about church. And so if you're watching today and you're one of those people, well, welcome to follow online today. But my dad, he just can't help himself. Why? Because he's gifted as an evangelist. Not standing up and preaching because that would give him a heart attack, but in sharing his faith through relationships. You know, if every one of us could identify the way that God had uniquely gifted us and then live it out everywhere we go, not only would we experience more fulfillment, more joy as we connect with our purpose, but I also believe the impact for the kingdom of God would be incredible. Our ministry would expand from the four walls of the church to the four corners of the earth. and That's a big difference. The third and final way that I think this can really help us is that it will help us to grow in maturity. Have you ever heard someone say, you know that person, they really just need to grow into their body. In other words, they're young and they're developing and they've got a lot of attributes, but they're just a bit lanky and a bit skinny or whatever it may be. Well, most of you would know I'm a long-suffering St Kilda supporter. They have never won a premiership in my lifetime. Today is footy day at Follow Online, but they've never won a premiership in my life. And they're unlikely to. They're just a bit of a rabble. But at the moment, St Kilda supporters are really excited because we have a young kid called Max King. Max King has all the attributes to be a future champion. He's over 200 centimeters tall. Uh, he can jump high. He's a great mark. He's a booming kick. And he has he, he's athletic and he's fast. And, and really, he's got all the attributes. But the only thing is that he is as skinny as a beanpole. And so on all the forums on Facebook, the St Kilda supporters, they say we can't wait for him to grow into his body and to mature because the impact he could have is significant. Jesus is wanting us to grow into our body. And I really think that APEs is a great way to measure that. It's also a great way to critique ourselves as a church. Because if I'm completely honest, I think we're doing quite well like most other churches, in the shepherd-teacher functions, but we're not as strong in these other APE functions. And if I can just get a little bit direct, if we were going really well in the apostolic function, I think we would have planted another church by now. I think we would have sent more missionaries out locally and also overseas. If the prophetic function was stronger, I think we'd have more than five or six people at our prayer meetings. I think there would be a greater zeal to encounter Jesus' presence in worship. If the evangelistic functioning was really red hot and going really well, I think we'd be seeing more people saved, not just in our services, but in our families, in our workplaces, and in our friendship circles. And this is what fills me with excitement. You know, it's what stirs up hope. What if we could activate you in your giftings? What would it mean for us as a church? Well, I think it would mean greater unity. I think it would mean greater equipping. I think we would love one another more. I think we'd increase our impact in the world. I think we would have greater maturity as we attain fullness in Christ and become everything he desires for his church to be. As Paul concludes, Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. What a wonderful vision. What a beautiful image of the church. For the body of Christ to function, I need you to play your part. You need me to play my part and together we can see our community transformed by Christ through his body. I hope that excites you like it excites me and I I hope and pray that we can press into this in the months to come, that we can pray into it and believe that God is going to activate stuff in each of us so that the full body of Christ would grow, mature and have the impact that God wants it to have. Let's finish with prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for passages such as this one that really fill us with hope and joy and vision of what it could actually look like if each of us knew and understood the way that you've uniquely gifted each one of us and that we would step out by faith into that gifting and that we would live as the church, whether it's the gathered people of God on a weekend Or whether it's the scattered people of God throughout the week in our families, our workplaces, and our friendship circles. Lord, it fills us with hope. It fills us with excitement. And so, Lord, I pray that you give us great wisdom as we press into this, that we would see your name lifted high over the officer region and beyond, that we would see great things happen in the name of Jesus for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to Follow
0: Online. To stay updated, go to follow.church. As the people of God, let's stay connected and follow the words of Jesus to love one another.